Hey guys, this is Doug Aldrich from Burning Rain and White Snake, and you're listening to Focus on Metal. It's Scott here and Richie. Welcome you to another episode of Focus on Metal. Uh, got a good show for you this week. Talking once again with our buddy Doug Aldrich. Yep, got Doug on three times. Oh, before that, I'm here two weeks in a row. I know, isn't it amazing? <laughs> <laughs> I'm out in good behavior again. Wow. <laughs> I didn't even think about that, but yeah. So, anyways, yeah, uh, we had a great talk with Doug in uh, before he was heading out with the Dead Daisies, and uh, hopefully, you guys will enjoy that interview. Yeah, I think he's. Out now, actually. Yeah, yeah. I think he's in Europe. Sounds about right. Yeah, doing festivals. He, actually, he's doing. Um, it's a cool thing I saw the other day. Uh, they're doing a festival in Poland, uh-huh. and they reckon there's going to be like a couple of hundred thousand people at it. Okay, and it's free. And Lacuna Coil are playing at it. There's all these different bands. That's playing cool. Free festival. That's cool. Yeah. Imagine that over here. No. Not. Not. <laughs> <laughs> But um, that's very cool. Yeah, we've had Doug on for Burning Rain, and we've had him on for Revolution Saints. Yep. And now we've got him on for the Dead Daisies, and I've heard the album, and it's brilliant. Yeah. It's straight up 11, 12, 12 rock songs, no ballads. Mm-hmm. Um, just sounds like the band are having a great time playing playing together. Excellent. And uh, you know, I think they're playing up around here. I think early September, and uh, hopefully we'll be a. Uh, We'll be going to that. It'll be cool. Yeah. 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 So before we hop into Doug, um, bit of discussion. Uh-huh. I love doing a bit of discussion, <laughs> you know. Um, what does Don Henley, Bruce Dickinson, David Draymond, and Corey Taylor have in common? And dead air. I have no idea. Right. They've they have all taken a stance on cell phones. Yeah. Um Corey Taylor recently slapped a phone out of someone's hand in the front row at a Slipknot gig. Yeah, I remember something, it was something about the Disturbed gig too, right? Yeah. yeah. David Draymond, they came out for an encore. Yeah. And he took the Russell Crowe gladiator stance when he saw someone on the balcony was sending text messages. Uh-huh. Are, we, are, are you not being entertained? <laughs> and he ended up having to apologize to the, to the woman yeah. who did it. Uh-huh. Um, Bruce Dickinson, of course, has taken a stance on numerous occasions. Yeah. Um you know, swearing at people for their cell phone use at, at Iron Maiden concerts. Yeah. And of course, Don Henley has gone one step further and banned them. <laughs> he figure, you know, he figures that if you're going to go to a concert, you should be able to put your cell phone down for two hours and enjoy yourself. Yeah, I mean, he's got a point. I mean, every show we go to, there's people that are not even watching the show. They're just filming the damn show, like, every time we go. Yeah, well, I, I hate people using their cell phones at gigs. Yeah. I, I was at a winger concert a couple of years ago. The guy had his fucking tablet in front of me. <laughs> All right. Now that's just being co- completely inconsiderate yeah, of yeah. the people standing around you. Right. Um, if you're there like working or taking photographs for, you know, like us, like we, have, right. we do the show and that, I, I get it. Right. But someone putting up a, a shitty sounding right. YouTube yeah. video that has two views. Yeah. Um, and then you just look around and every second person has their phone up in front of you. Well, that's you. what I mean. I mean, every show we go to, just, I mean, let's go back to the, the, we talked about it, what, last week, the Lynch Mob show. Those two assholes 
that were next to us. So we're having, having to take selfies with George behind them, yeah. right? With the flash going off and stuff. I was really hoping that the, the, the bouncer was going to toss him out when he was threatening to do it. Yeah. I was really hoping he would do it. Yeah, I know. Well, he did have a go at him, didn't he? Is yeah. that the same guy? He had a, he had a, he, yeah, he kept he taking his, flash pictures. He put his and, finger in front, in front of his throat and basically yeah. said, cut it out. Yeah, and he just kept, kept doing stupid shit. And, and uh, I, mean, this, I mean, there's times like, you know, uh, at the other side of the stage, there was, uh, towards the end of it, then um, Oni was, was like sharing a vocal with, with one of the women on the other side. Mm-hmm. And her friend took a picture. I'm like, all right, that's cool. I mean, like to catch that, it's like a once in a lifetime thing. Did it for a friend. That was cool. But, I mean, she wasn't really taking... Like, didn't have her phone out the whole rest of the time. I just noticed that when Oni was sharing the vocal with her, she took a picture of her friend doing the vocal with Oni. Yeah. But, okay, that's that's cool. Yeah, but that's, uh, you know. that's something that doesn't happen right. very, very right. often at all. So you want to capture that. And, yeah. you know, if you want to put that on Facebook and, on you know, put it on YouTube or whatever, that's yeah. a cool thing. Yeah. But we do see every time we go, there's always people that just, you just see it, right? They're just holding it up over their head, like, the whole time. Yeah, I, when, when I was at Def Leppard now... uh about three or four weeks ago, it was really bad. Yeah, really, really fucking bad. And it, it, it's annoying because, um, you should be there to see the band. Yeah, not not see the band through a, a three inch screen on your phone. Like, put your phone down. The band are playing right behind the phone. Yeah, I know, I know. And uh, it, it it is pretty annoying. But how do you think the musicians should handle that? Do you think? Do you think that what like Corey Taylor did and da- David Draymond did and and Bruce Dickinson does and even Don Henley to that extreme? Yeah. Do you think they have a right to do that? No, yeah, I mean it's their show. Um, I mean think about it this way, right? Is is you know back years ago when you'd be going in, if you had a, a recording device, they they confiscated it. Mm. I mean that's literally what the phone is, right? I mean even we go to shows to do in persons. You know, if if we didn't have a the pass, then they wouldn't let me bring the Zoom in to record. No, right? And yet, people are bringing phones in and doing it. And I'm, yeah, can like you, the same thing. Can you imagine if Peter Grant was still alive with Led oh, Zeppelin? Oh, bloody hell! <laughs> He'd be going around beating everyone in the audience up. But the thing is, is even people that would you know go to record bands back in the day for bootlegs and stuff. I mean, it was hidden. It wasn't you know in your face. And that's I mean, that's what makes it worse. Is that that you, like you said, you, you're watching and you, you're trying to look at the band. You've got a freaking tablet up in front of you. Yeah. You know? Do, do you genuinely believe, though, that these people go home and, and sit down for like 20 minutes or half an hour and watch this shitty I don't know. footage? I have no idea. I doubt it. I have no idea. I doubt I think it's a, a crowd mentality, a gang mentality thing where they have to be, you know, if you can't beat them, join them. I don't know. I think it's just become this, this whole thing that's just ingrained in, in shows now. It just... I don't know. I people think I'm weird because I don't have my cell phone in my pocket like all day. It's like I I went how many decades without having a phone on me 24 hours a day. It's like I don't need it. Yeah. You know what I mean? It's I I got it when I go out and someone needs to, you know, kids need to get a hold of me or something, they can, but it's like or like you said, you know, we're we're doing something for the show, we're doing some promo thing, you know. Okay, so you you post on Twitter or whatever, but yeah, I just it's so ridiculous now. It really is. It's it's just it's 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 annoying. It gets to be really really annoying. And the fact that like when we were doing um we went to Generation X. 
we, we were over on that. I mean, it was pretty good seats that we got. Mm-hmm. And then the minute people saw that every time that Zach Wild was going to do a solo, he was going to come over to that corner of the stage. And then what happened? We get all these people over every time. With just they're over there, just all taking pictures and videos and shit. And then we can't even see because we get all these assholes who've like just gone up in that in that one area. It's just like sucked. Yeah, uh, yeah, that's true. But here, here's my take on it. Right, the, the way that artists approach this, the way Don Henley does it, you mm. know beforehand that you're not to use your cell phone. Sure, right. That yeah. Everybody knows the whole crowd. Yeah. What Dickinson. And Corey Taylor and David Draymond did. You're signaling somebody out in a crowd that's already jacked up on your music. You have all the power over the crowd. Yeah. You all you'd have to do is say the one wrong thing. Uh huh. Like just say that yeah, guy. Do said, an take Rose. the phone. Take the phone off the guy. Yeah. That, or the girl. She yeah. end up in hospital. Yeah, probably. Yeah. You know because as far as the crowd are concerned. You have them in the palm of your hand. You have all the power there. Well, they got to put their phone away to go get the phone. <laughs> that, that's a very dangerous thing for sure. them to do. Yeah. Now, I don't. If they want to do it, that's that's fine. But if the person wants to use their phone, that's fine too. Because they've paid. If they've paid the concert ticket, yeah. It's it, it's like sport, right? In sport, if the guy is doing badly in sport, you've paid to go. You have every right to boo the guy or cheer the guy. Whatever you want to do, right? Yeah. Same thing with with a concert. If you if you pay your your fee, uh-huh. maybe you're not enjoying it. Maybe the, you know maybe the band have to take a closer look at themselves. But bar actually getting up on stage and physically attacking the band, if you're in the crowd, right. you're not causing right. any sort of commotion or yeah. danger to anybody else's health. You have a right to use your phone if they're not going to take it off you before you actually go in. Yeah, but I I still think that you know maybe recording the show with your phone is like well you know. It's it's essentially it's it's like bootlegging. Yeah, you know? well, t- you know, take a but, couple of pictures. I mean, there's, I mean, there's other things. Yeah, like the fact that, like, again, we went to Generation X, and there was that other guy that was sitting near us, and one of his wife, his girlfriend, whatever. Clearly, she wasn't there for the show. She was just there to keep him company, maybe make sure he got home sober or what. You know what I mean? And so she was on her phone almost the whole time, playing whatever Angry Birds or I don't know what the hell she was. Yeah, but doing. she wasn't up next to the stage. No, 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 no. I'm saying, but she was. I mean, there was a legitimate like. She just was there to, to keep her boyfriend or husband company. And so she was just entertaining herself. Like, you really can't call her out for that because she wasn't doing anything to anybody. You no. know what I mean? No, I, I know. I, yeah, I know the woman you're on about. She was yeah. sitting right across from us. Yeah. Yes. Or the other, the other, yeah, and then, of course, you get the other extreme with the guy, the Rush concert. And she kept tapping his shoulder, <laughs> look at this on the phone, and the guy's trying to watch Rush. I mean, that would drive me fucking insane now. Yeah, but, yeah. But, um, I... <laughs> They have the right to do it. I don't like them doing it at all. Yeah. Period. Right? As for the musicians actually doing something about it on the stage, I, I'm not crazy on that as well because yeah. a lot of recriminations there. If, you know, if you, well, you, yeah, you yeah. corner someone in a crowd like that, mm-hmm. you have to be prepared for the consequences. Yeah. Yeah. You know, they, they, do they really have the right to, to do that? That's someone's property and. You know, the way that everyone over here is lawyer happy. Yeah, well, they should be right on the tickets then, right? Yeah. Like they used to do with no cameras, recording devices, blah, 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 on the, right on the ticket. They just have to put, you know, no cell phone. I don't think that would ever happen. You never know. You never know. 
Um, I mean, at the same point, Kiss might change their set list. You, you never know. <laughs> <laughs> oh, you will know two minutes into the gig. Yeah. Uh, no, that'll never happen. Yeah, but the, the, <laughs> the, 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 the extreme example for me, and this isn't music-related, um, years ago in Dublin, uh, Pete Postlethwaite, the actor, uh-huh. uh, he was in the second Jurassic Park movie. He's, he's, a, he's a famous English actor. He's since passed away. But he did a one-man show. Uh-huh. Okay. So... Before the show started, the, came, the the woman from behind came out and told people to turn off their phones. Yeah, you know, make sure if they're on st- on silent the whole lot. That yeah. he was doing a one man show. He had to remember all the lines. Yeah, half an hour into the show, some fucking wanker's phone went off. <laughs> right now, the show was great, but he was on radio the next day. He yeah. forgot five minutes of the show. Yeah. Because some fucking wanker wouldn't turn off his phone and do what he was told. Yeah. Now, I know that probably wouldn't translate to a rock concert, but that's the kind of thing I'm talking about. Like, uh-huh. Put your fucking phone away. Yeah. Enjoy the concert. And if you, you know, you're being an inconsiderate prick to everybody <laughs> else. Because I'll be honest with you, everyone in the audience at that one man show wanted to fucking kill the guy. Yeah. <laughs> but as for the musicians, I, I, they, they can't really do anything about it. I, do it beforehand. Do it Don Henley. Do something like that. Yeah. Um, but once you get in there, live with it. Yeah. You have to. I think they have to live with it. It's just there's too many people with phones now, and it's just never. I don't think it's going to change now. You can't. You know. The, no. It's well, not going to change. No. Unfortunately. I still hate it though. Yeah. It's yeah. It does suck. Yeah. Have you ever heard anyone go to a gig and actually say something to the people for for doing it? Ah. Uh, I have no, a one or remember. two. One or two I have. Yeah. Now, people I don't even know. Yeah. Put your fucking phone away or yeah. that sort of shit, you uh-huh. know. Just, just annoyed. Uh, it does. After a while, it gets to be a bit much. I mean, right when we went to, uh, we went to Scorpions, right? I mean, the, what, the throw in front of us. Like, everybody had their freaking phone up over their heads. Yeah. You know, it's like, what the fuck? Like, and that's the stage show they had was brilliant. Yeah, yeah. And it's I'm like, like what's well, the look, show? Watch the fucking show. Yeah. I like, mean, they had the big screens and everything, and yeah. you're looking at it through a fucking two-inch by one-inch yeah. screen. Yeah. And, Come on. And and you're, uh, I mean, theoretically, that could be the last time you ever see the Scorpions. You're not even watching the show? Like, yeah. really? I mean, they're going to put DVDs out. You're going to get, the, you know, like, come on, give me a freaking break. Like, it just yeah, it just that stuff always just. Well, the other thing you could say is, okay, people put it up on YouTube. In yeah. a way, it is advertising the band. Now, yeah. if the band are bad, it's well. Bad. The thing is, is that's most, the almost all the YouTube shit. You, you, you either going to get a ton of guitar or a ton of vocal or a ton of. It's never. It doesn't. It's never balanced. Or look at all the all the videos from when we went up to see Queensrÿche when the first time they went out with Todd. Yeah, they sounded freaking brilliant, right? No, they were excellent. And every video you see, it's like that's not what we heard, mm. right? I mean, that's a. That didn't help. Yeah, true. You know? True. But I think at this stage, nothing can be done. It's just one of these things. you got to grin and bear it. I hate it. Yeah. Um, but that's the way of the world now. Pretty much. Well, hopefully we won't see any of that when uh, if we go see Doug. I hope so. <laughs> I hope so. Um, looking forward to seeing them live. I'd say, to be, I'd say to the, to the album, I'd say it's going to sound kick-ass live. Yeah. That's a superb band he has. Right. We've had Marco on, John Caravi. Yeah. We've had Doug on before. I've seen Brian Tishy yep. and Doug. And did I see Marco with Whitesnake? No, I saw Marco with Tin Lizzy. Mm-hmm. Um, so I've never seen John Caravi. Have you mm. seen John? 
No. So I'm I'm looking forward to that. Yeah. And that's uh again he's a Rat Pack. Yeah. Rat yeah. Pack guy. Right. So yeah. I'm I sure. think he's got another album coming out soon with them. Yeah. Is it a f- electric one or an um, uh, acoustic know. one? I don't know. Um, but anyways, why don't we uh, why don't we roll a track of the week before we uh, get into our uh, talk with Doug? Mm-hmm. Track of the week this week comes to us courtesy of who else but AFM Records. And the artist is Kissin' Dynamite, who just put out their fifth release. That's right, these guys have been uh, going crazy with recordings. They put out stuff pretty much consistently. I mean, back in uh, in 2008, they had Steel of Swabia. 2010, Addicted to Metal, Money, Sex, and Power in 2012. And then uh, Megalomaniac came in in 2014. So these guys are consistently putting out albums. And this year... In fact, this week, they put out their brand new one called Generation Goodbye. Uh, From the band, uh, they say Generation Goodbye symbolically represents a feeling of longing, breakup, and a new start, which frequently is topic in the 11 new songs. And uh, that is pretty much what you see in these these songs. They uh, they definitely uh, hit all of what they just talked about there. Uh, 11 tracks on this one. And uh, also, you can get this in multiple formats. You get the Digipack, which has four bonus tracks, and a bonus DVD, which has some documentaries, some live clips, live clips, live clips, as well as some music videos. Also, you get a limited box set, 500 units of that only. And uh, every so often, you do get lucky and find those on uh, the AFM Records web shop. And I should mention, of course, that AFM is celebrating 20 years in the music business. Very cool there. Head up to the uh, web shop there, and they have a really cool compilation up there available for sale in the normal CD format, as well as a very cool limited edition vinyl double gatefold version. I think that's uh, pretty awesome. But anyways, back to the uh, the release we're talking about here. And that uh, that limited box set includes a digipack plus a portable Bluetooth speaker, a lanyard with a tour pass replica, three-piece uh, plectrum set, which of course is a PIX for uh, non-guitar players out there, and also a signed autograph card and certificate. So once again, AFM is always uh, serving the metal merch needs. And if you want to find out more about this band, you can go to Kissin, no G in that one, K-I-S-S-I-N-Dynamite.de. So off of the brand new one from Kissin Dynamite, going to play you track number six called highlight zone and we'll be right back after this with our talk with doug aldrich
All right, there you go. Your track of the week for this week here on Focus on Metal. As I said at the beginning of the show, uh, we have uh, the one and only Doug Aldrich with us again this week. And um, I was uh, even relating to Richie that I, I didn't remember that we had him on two other times. I remember we had him on once, but I didn't remember that. Uh, I think probably because he's like so easy to talk to. It just it just feels like like just talking to a friend. The first time I got hooked up with Doug, it, the PR person even told me that he is awesome. Yeah, to talk to, very very easy going. Yeah, uh, doesn't seem like he has a big ego at all. No, he does. Just just a nice guy. Yeah, um, brilliant player. Mm-hmm. Um, I have a ton of his stuff. Yeah, but I mean, you think about it too. I mean. Again, like you're right. He doesn't. He's just such a super nice guy. He doesn't have an ego. But you, you think about. I mean, this is a guy that was helping David Coverdale write albums. If it was me, I know I'd have an attitude. And Ronnie James Teal. You know, I would have an attitude. I know I would. Hmm. You know, but he. It's like he's such a super nice guy. Yep. You know, and and um, just very very like, you know, soft spoken about his achievements of what he's done and and. Uh, I mean, he's got a huge fan base that follow all, you know everything he does, and again, like you said, great player too. Just being able to do all kinds of stuff. And, look at the, look at the guys. He, look at the guys he's worked oh, with. I know Holy the crap. singers huh? and the musicians. I know. And I actually asked him about that yeah, at the end did. of the interview, yeah. but it's mind blowing the yeah. quality of pe- people that actually want him to play and yeah. write with him. Yeah, that says something for him as a as a as a player and as a person. Yeah. Oh yeah. Because if you're you know, he could be the best player in the world if you're a prick. <laughs> yeah, I know. They're not going to put up with you. Yep. But yep. just an, an awesome guy to talk to. Um, you ever seen Doug play? Yeah. Who, with you, Whitesnake. Oh, oh you were, were you with me? No. Oh, you saw him in um, Mansfield, wasn't yeah. it? Yeah. Yeah, I saw him with Dio. Yeah. Uh, the first time I saw him was, uh, they did the Holy Diver tour in Dublin. And he was a very, very last-minute replacement for Craig Goldie. Yeah. And I was not disappointed <laughs> when I found out that Doug was playing. And um, <laughs> so it was, it was the DVD is out there. It, it was him, Rudy yeah. Sarzo, Simon Wright, Scott Warren, and Ronnie. Yeah. And um, they started off with Tear a Woman, did Sign of the Southern Cross. Yeah. Did We Rock, and then did the whole Holy Diver album. And I was 20 feet away from the band. And it was incredible. Yeah. And I've seen him with David. And Whitesnake twice, and twice, yeah, and that's it. Yeah, and the thing too, I don't know, it's it's a thing with me, but he's he's one of these players now that like just owns the Les Paul. It's like that that guitar is pretty much synonymous almost to what Doug does. You know, mm. it's it would be weird to see him without one, and uh, but he just he just knows how to use it too. You know, you can. You know, you can go ahead and play it, but but there's a way to, to actually approach that guitar and, and get something more out of it, too. You know, kind of like what Clapton does with a Strat. But Doug is one of these players, um, you know, like Joe Perry, that can knows how to get something out of that Les Paul more so than other people can. Even um, even Slash, the same thing. I mean, Slash has a way of, of being able to work with that guitar and get things out that other people just, they're just playing it. But, like, some people just really get into that and really know how to use that instrument well and Doug is one of those guys. Yeah, well I loved what he did with White Snake uh-huh. when he started recording with him. Yeah. He brought he brought him back 
to yeah. like early 80s slide it in and even right. before that era it wasn't slip of the tongue when he joined the band right because he, he had the style of play that he has yeah and if you're an old school Whitesnake fan you were you were thrilled plus right. he's great right. on stage great player and with Reb right. the two yeah. of them fit together that's really, the other really part well. too right is the fact that the two of them you know to have a, those two guys in a band right and th- yeah they're able to trade things off and again it's, it's amazing right two amazing shit hot players no egos just, mm. just playing you mm-hmm. know and uh yeah I mean, just a hell of a band but i with doug um i kind of discovered a lot of the stuff he did uh like the burning rain stuff you couldn't get until well you could you'd pay for it until yeah, frontiers right, right. reissued the three of them at the one they brought out epic obsession right and then they brought out the first album and Pleasure to Burn. Yeah. And the Bad Moon Rising CDs from the from the nineties with Cal Swan. Uh-huh. Um I got them a couple of years ago. They're all Japanese imports. Yeah. I, I didn't pay a fortune for them. But they were three albums that Doug made that I'd never heard before. Mm-hmm. And the other the other one the album that I loved, um the House of Lords album, Sahara. Yeah. Michael Guy is pictured in it, but Doug, <laughs> Doug played ninety percent of the guitars on that. Really? Yeah. So I didn't he, know that. Yeah, so he's on Hurricane, he's with the yeah. Lion album, Dangerous Attraction. I love. Yeah, like that guy is just synonymous with a ton of music that yeah. I have in the house. Yeah, he's he's it's, he's an amazing player. But but more than that, again, he's just one of these people. I think we've come across a few of them doing the show, and and Doug is definitely one of those people that ranks up there. Is just like just what just an incredible human being that he is. Right? I would agree with you there. And, he's and one you of, guys will hear it in the interview too because it's it's like we're talking to him and it is like. Like we're catching up. You see, the thing I one of the things I've said on the show before is I like to have a conversation. I don't really like calling these interviews. Yeah, because with an interview, it's a it's a question and answer thing. Right. Where you know I like a chat. Yeah. More of a chat kind of thing. And with Doggy, definitely have a chat with him because right. it's not just how's the album. Right. How was recording the album? How was writing the Do album? Am I going to play the Jimmy quote again? Yeah, yeah. You can put it in if you want, <laughs> but I, I'm not a fan of that. Yeah, that kind of style. No, you can listen to Morning Zoo Radio if you want that. Yeah, like you know, any, you know it might work for some people, but I, it's, like it's I, not, could, I could talk. To, we had half an hour with Doug. Yeah, I could have talked to him for an hour and a half. Oh yeah, easily. No, we couldn't. Yeah, we had only had half an yeah, hour. But easily, yeah. And that, I think that's the thing, though, is that I don't like doing those. I, I like there's, just there's some guys we have. Yeah, but there's some guys we have half an hour with, and after ten minutes, you're you're looking at your clock, thinking, "Is it <laughs> half an hour up yet?" <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Yeah, sometimes that happens. Yeah, happened yeah. recently enough, but anyway. <laughs> <laughs> we know you know you and I know who we're talking about. Yeah, yeah. But anyways, um, hope you guys enjoy it. Like I said, we had a great talk with Doug. And again, thanks to Doug for taking the time out, uh, especially as he's got to be, had to be absolutely super busy getting ready to head out with the Dead Daisies. I'm sure he had a shitload of stuff to do, but he took the time to talk to us. We really appreciate that he did that. Well, he's doing Dead Daisies. Raiden Rockfault yeah. on his time off. Yeah. Raising a family. Right. Young baby. Yeah. <laughs> Busy guy, but he's got to bring in the dough. That's right. <laughs> yeah. All right. So anyways, let's uh, let's roll our talk with uh, with Doug Aldrich. How's it going? Good, good. Yeah, we talked to you when the Revolution Saints album came out. I know. I remember. I was I think I was in the hospital or something. Yeah, I was you're you with your, your son. How's your son doing? He's great. He's doing good. He's all fully recovered and thankfully uh, you know, doing great. He's, yeah. He's a strong kid. 
Yeah, and I heard you had another baby since we last talked. Is that right? Yes. Yeah, you're yeah, busy. I'm right. You're a busy guy. <laughs> I try. I'm not as busy as. Let's say it like this: I'm not as busy as I'd like to be. Yeah, yeah. I got to say, Doug, that like, you know, I'm 45. Right, I'm actually 45 in an hour and a half. But um, I've got a I've got a 14 month old daughter, and I'm thinking hey. I'm cr- I think I'm crazy having kids at this age because I started well, late. Yeah, but I'm older than you, so you see, you're just you're, you, you, If I can do it, you gotta be able to do it. <laughs> yeah, true. That's con- that's great, man. Happy birthday, uh, early birthday, and and congratulations on your baby. I mean, let's see. I guess that probably you probably had that baby after I talked to you, right? Yes, I had it in um, April, April twelfth. So fourteen. She's about fourteen months old. Fifteen months old. Okay, so she was, so it was um, that was last year. Okay. Yeah, last year. Yeah, and I got a I got a uh, six year old as well. So I was thirty nine when I started. Well, you're good on you. Yeah. Good on you, Richard. And my younger sister's got a twenty one year old, and I'm like, oh god. <laughs> <laughs> I know how that is. My younger sister's got the same thing. It's just bizarre, but hey, you know what? Us rock guys, we you know we we don't. It takes a while for somebody to tie us down like and. To, to have it settle down like that, you know? That's true. That's true. It gives you more time to buy gold tops. That's all. <laughs> that's true. That's true. Don't, don't tell him this is about, going, about, about getting tied down, you know, because that doesn't go over so well. Uh, that's no, true. It usually doesn't. <laughs> that's true. It must be tough, though. You're, you're going out on the road with a, you know, a baby at home. Yeah, it is a little bit. But, you know, the, the, world, needs, we, you know, the world needs the dead daisies yeah. to get out there. So, now I haven't been out on the road for a while. I mean, it's uh, I, I had spent a good portion of time at home doing the uh, raiding the rock vault. I was actually at, I was in that's in Vegas. I live in Los Angeles, but um, I was doing that raiding the rock vault show, and 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 especially you know when when uh, my boy had gotten sick last time I spoke to you, and then recovering. I just wanted to be close. I definitely would not have wanted to be on the road. And that's something that I thought about. Like, you know, people, a lot of people would say to me, like, are you crazy? You know, leaving Whitesnake or whatever. And I was just thinking to myself, you know, not at all. I mean, I, you know, I mean, these things happen and you gotta, you gotta take some time for yourself sometimes. I mean, I was just so thankful that I did because I would have been maybe away when that, when he, went through uh, whatever, you know, what he went through, and I, he might not be here right now if I wasn't, if I wasn't here. So it was a blessing, total blessing. Yeah. yeah, you hear a lot of stories about musicians when they're away. They miss, like, birthdays and parties and confirmations and christenings and yeah. everything. So, you know, at least you were able to, to be there for him, which is, you know, family is family, Doug, you know? That's right. That's right. I will be missing... This year, because of this Dead Daisies record, I'm gonna—I will be missing his birthday for the first time ever. So that's unfortunate. But we're gonna—we, you know, man, I threw down the past, past couple parties that he had. I threw down hard. I had—I mean, we did Star Wars theme, we did magicians, we did all kind of pirates of the Caribbean. We had—we've done all kinds of stuff. So we're gonna have a mellow birthday. He'll be seven. Yeah. So. But I'll, I'll have to FaceTime because I'm going to be in, uh, I think we'll be with Kiss somewhere um, um, in the U.S. 
Okay. At least you'll be in the US and not over in Europe. Yeah. Although, you know, with me, man, it's like I I basically, I, I have a deal with him where we talk twice a day uh, via via FaceTime. And uh, so it doesn't matter where I'm at, where I am. I'll wake up or I'm kind of in Europe. I'm still awake anyway when, when they're waking up here. Yeah. Nice. Yeah. Nice. Uh, that's, I mean, that's good. I mean, that's glad that, you know, you got that kind of technology. You can do that out on the road. And uh, I'm sure there's lots of people out there that in the past would have loved to be able to do that, you know, missing out on all kinds of family things being on the road. So it's, I think that's very cool and it allows you to do what you want to do and uh, and bring the, you know, the great music out there. I mean, we're, we're really pleased to see that uh, you guys are, are going to be touring as much as you are, which is, you know, I think that's just really awesome. Uh, well, it is. It is. I mean, and I appreciate First of all, it's nice to hear your voice, Scott. Thanks. Good to hear you. It's, uh, a, it's his birthday today, Doug. <laughs> You're kidding me. No, no he's not. <laughs> you, you guys have this, have consecutive days, birthdays? Yeah. yeah. <laughs> that's awesome. Yeah. That's, all, that's unbelievable. How about a, well, anyway. All right, well, happy birthday. Thanks. <laughs> happy birthday, Scott. That's, that's really cool. Um, no, it's really, it's really good that, that's the thing about the, the, the Davies. Uh, it's a band, it's a collective, whatever you want to call it. I mean, it's really cool because they want to work and they want to work together. I mean, let me just say this about the new record. Everything that you hear, we did together as five people. I mean, we, we wrote it together, we recorded it together, we were in each other's face. I'll never forget, you know, um, we're in there, we were trying ideas and, you know, doing pre-production and we had everybody's got everybody's a guitar player you know brian tishy's a great guitar player john karabi's a great guitar player and then we've got david lowey he's a great guitar player and um marco was playing guitar everyone's playing guitar and i'm sitting there as the new guy going hey what do you think about this riff and then everyone starts playing it and hey let's change it like and it was it was it was intense and insanity you know but um the bottom line is is that it was really productive and fun to do it together as five people yeah, yeah. I mean, there's not a lot of bands that do that. It's it's pretty cool you hear us say that because I just over the weekend I finished reading uh, Glenn John's uh, autobiography, Sound Man. And that's one of the things he was talking about is the whole thing of of you know nowadays people doing everything separate, and, and he really missed the fact of of these bands that were to be in a room together, looking at each other, feeding off each other, and and you know the difference that makes in in doing an album. You know, just even the writing process and stuff like that. So it's so cool to hear you talk about you guys assembling this album, you know, here in 2016, that same way and getting the kind of results that you got to, which speaks volumes.
Yeah, I mean, well, and you know, it's. I mean, I think any band, if you get together with with a few good ideas, you know, a few good riffs and some some good melodies or whatever, you know, if you if you're working with the right people, we had we were working with Marty Fredrickson, and Marty was the right guy because we had so much music, so many ideas. We needed him to kind of hone us down and and point us in directions. At one point in the beginning, I mean. But this is how it went down. I, they they called me about doing the record in December, and uh, we started January 24th to write for a week in Nashville together, and then we went to New York and wrote for a week, and then we came back to Nashville to re start recording. We spent a we actually took another couple of days to keep working on on some of the songs, and uh, and we had so much music. Marty had just had to break us up and say, look, you two guys go over here and work on this one. You guys go and work on this one and I'll work on this one. And we, we somehow got it together because it was, it was like, we couldn't stop. We kept, there was, everyone kept coming up with more ideas for things. And finally we just said, look, that's it. Uh, David Lowy actually, who is the, the founder and the leader of the band. He said, let's stop. We have to stop. Here's here are the, the the ones we've got so far, guys. Let's do a vote. Let's let's narrow it down, and and it went like that. But once we once we uh, honed in on it, we had set up, we played together, and recorded together, and a lot of the stuff that you hear is the basic tracks of Marco, me, and David, and and, uh, and Brian, you know, playing together. But there might have been a mess up or something, and we go in punching and fix that part or whatever. But um, it's really a, it's really a raw live record and and the other thing that's cool about that record is the, we didn't you know we had some some d diversity going but we really kind of put together a record that was more kind of straight ahead kick ass kicking the teeth as John Karabi likes to say and um it it doesn't stop it's just it's like it, it's a great driving record it's a great party record cuz it's not like you go through three or four songs and then it, then you got a ballad, you know, and, and then, then you got another four or five songs and another obligatory ballad, you know? And I was a little worried about that until I, until I got the record sent to me, um, once it was mixed and, and I listened to it just fresh and I was like, this is really cool, man. It's, it's like, it's got a great vibe. It's simple. It's just a snapshot of, of, you know, the, 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 beginning of this year of, of these five guys together, us five guys together. And, uh, and it, it's got a good vibe, you know, yeah. it's not going to, not going to change the world or anything like that, but people are going to enjoy listening to it at a party or driving or, or, you know, getting ready to go out on a Friday night. Yeah. It, it sounds to me like it's a completely different setup than the revolution Saints album where the record company had a, a, a big hand in how it was going to sound, and yeah. um, you all recorded your parts separately, and this thing is completely the opposite to that. Yeah, and I tried to perpetrate that we, you know, with with the Revolution Saints, I tried to perpetrate that we had that we were involved with each other because, you know, you, you want to you don't want it to be like, yeah, I was just called and hired to play on this record, and 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 to be fair, you know, we we did have some collaboration in, in some things together with the revolution saints, but you're absolutely right. It's 180 degrees different. This is, that, that was a situation that, um, started off as being solo 
record and then turned into a band and or we wanted to be a band. We wanted it to be a band, but we just could never get a we could never get our schedules to work. Mm-hmm. Um, initially, you know, I was I was I had already left Whitesnake, but um, initially there were there were some dates that were offered in Europe and in Japan, and it was just at the wrong time because Night Ranger was touring all the time and Journey was touring all the time, and and then. You know, to be honest, this is a really interesting thing, is that um, we got together one one day in Vegas and, and played together, which is just kind of, because we hadn't really played all that stuff, and we hadn't really jammed, you know, and we got together and played for about four hours, and I recorded it, and it's really very different than what's on the record, you know, mm. it, our, our, our real natural collaboration together sounds different, so... With what you got with the Dead Daisies on this thing is really what we did and really what we sound like live. And it actually will sound, it'll begin to sound better the more we play live because we actually haven't even, you know, toured yet together. Yeah, I think this stuff really is going to kick ass live. And you're right, Doug. When I put it on, it, it flies by. And I put, I, I've had it a couple of days, so I had it in work. You know, and all the, a lot of guys around me, they don't listen to hard rock. And they'd walk past me saying, who's that? That's that's pretty good. And I'm like, oh, it's this band called called the Dead Daisies. And they're like, wow, that, that that's a really good record, you know. And there, yeah, there's no ballads on it. But um, yeah. just I just put it on. And when I put it on, I just went back to track one, long way to go, and put it on again. And then I went, wow, this is great stuff. Put it on again. And... But what you can definitely hear in it is all of your influences in all of the songs. Definitely. Yeah, I mean, it's a, it's definitely a situation when you've got five guys, well, actually with Marty, it's six guys. You've got six guys invested in, into it and six guys kind of pulling it in their own direction. And it's got you got to make it work with each other. So it's not going to sound like anything probably that, that any of us have done on our own or in other situations because... I've never been in that situation before. Hmm. Yeah. And it's a, it's, a, it's a cool thing to, you know, it's like, like you guys, for example, you guys work together all the time and you trust each other and you, you work off each other. And, you know, you know that each other's going to take, cover the other guy's back. And, and, uh, that's, that's what we got to, you know, and it took me a minute. It took me a couple of days to kind of get comfortable with the whole thing. Cause I had, of course, I'm I'm super close with with Brian, and I've I've had great you know great playing live and recording with Marco and doing different things over the years. But together, we never worked with three of us. And then I've known John Crabby since since I was a kid. And then we were both I was 15, I think he was 17 or something like that. Um, and but we never actually wrote a stitch of music together, and. And then David Lowy and I had never even met, you know? Mm-hmm. So um, we sat down and it took a minute to, to kind of start to gel. But once it did, it, it worked out good because, and it felt good because you, you start to realize, hey, I can just, I can just play this part, chuck it out there and let, let for example, Brian Tishy go away with it or, or John Karabi go away with it and come back 15 minutes and go, hey, what about if we did this? Because, you know, I would, I would just be honest. I'd go, look, I got this riff right here. What do you guys think? Hey, that's cool. And I, I said, you know, I would say like, I, I kind of was thinking it could go somewhere 
like this for for the second part of the song, and then it can kind of somehow get back to this and then go back to the riff. But I'm not really sure. And then you give it to the other guy, and he goes away and comes back with like, hey, check this out. What if we did this? And it's something that you would never do on your own. So that that was a that was a really cool thing. Yeah, yeah. That I mean that whole the whole thing of being able to to have that trust and everything in a band is 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 pretty key, and it's cool when it all it all clicks together and, and it, it just takes this, this kind of this, almost like this huge weight off your shoulder. when you start to get to this thing of just being, you know, one with your, with all your bandmates, it, it's, it's a really cool feeling. And, uh, you know, I've, I've had a few of those myself. And, uh, so I know what you're talking about and, and being able to do that as well as going in with a, some, some piece of music or whatever, and just being able to, to trust people to take it, you know, don't have control on it and see what comes back. And it, it is pretty rewarding when you let that seed that you put out there comes back as something that's just so much cooler than you even started with. Yeah. And it's also nice when, when, you know, it, it really shows that a collaboration can come out with, with, um, a better than if you just try and do it all yourself. Oh yeah. That said, I'm, I'm really proud of, you know, the stuff like doing stuff like collaborating with guys like Keith St. John, so I would do Burning Rain records or with David, you know, Whitesnake, you know, with Whitesnake, of course, there was a budget where you could fly everybody in and do that. But, but David and I, for whatever reason, just would get on a roll. We just, before we knew it, we had a whole thing going and it was just, it kind of just went like that. budgets are a little difficult for us to tell everybody hey just stop what you're doing and come hang out for for a week let's let's you know write and record yeah but uh, 
I'm really, I'm really happy to, to have been asked to do this and a part of it. And um, I think the, the end result is, is that you know we're going to be able to go out and support it and kind of get something going and, and in our in the in whatever way we can keep um, this kind of rock music happening a little bit, you know. Yeah, I think I think that's probably like I said the biggest thing for me is the fact that people look at that and they see who's involved in the group and 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 you know you can, they'll come away with this impression of like oh well they're just making an album and you know we'll never hear from them or whatever but the fact that you guys are torn your butts off and you know it's like yeah. go get a ticket you're gonna be able to see these guys see this thing live like listen to this album all this stuff can be done live and it can be done it's gonna sound so much cooler I mean I definitely envision that you guys playing live. It's not going to be like you guys just regurgitating the album. That every show you're doing is going to be, you know, different than the next one. And and it's kind of like a every show is a once in a lifetime opportunity to hear these songs done in a certain way. Because you guys are all players. You all can take things and go different ways and and come back together. And and you know this, you guys all have that ability. So that's I mean that's how I envision it. Is that you guys are definitely going to have a lot of fun on the road. And it's kind of a case of. If you see five shows, you're going to see almost see five different shows from you guys. I hope so. I mean, I, I can tell you there's one, one thing for sure is songs like Fortunate Son um, that the band will definitely be featuring live. This, that version, I mean, it was like I showed up at the studio that day and I heard some talk of us cutting, cutting a cover. And all of a sudden it was like, okay, I better go learn this thing. I went on YouTube and listened to the song and... Um, and then I try to find a way to play it that was that would be, you know, a little different or the way that I might approach it. And then, you know, I, we recorded it. It was like two takes. We just basically were kind of trying to figure out which kind of drum beat was better. And we we all agreed that Brian's jungle beat was better for the intro. The kind of like um, you know, the more toms oriented. And um. But then, then as we started playing it for, we, we, we played a few shows in Germany this spring and I started to realize, oh, there's all these different ways I can do it. I can do it with slide tuning and do it as a slide part. And it gives it a little more of a swampy feel or I can do it the way like is on the record or I can do it more like a Van Halen way. So I might, songs like, like that, I might definitely um, do differently live daily. You guys feel like singing a little bit?
that's a great cover too to do. That. I mean, it, I I I remember a cover band that I was in, and that was the only CCR cover I would do was that one. And and I used to do it like uh, like envision <laughs> if Billy like Duffy from the Cult was doing that song. That's how I used to do it because it's like the one song where you you know there's some of them they're so signature that you're stuck in a way of doing it. But that one is there has got this interesting drive and uh, a real hard rock feel out of John Fogarty. And you can have a lot of fun with that one. So it's it's very cool that you guys are doing it. Lyrically, too, I think that people all over the world relate to that. Mm-hmm. That lyric, some for some reason, it, it just makes people kind of get really into it. Yeah. Um, I, I noticed that because I, we were, you know, we, we played, um, actually, we, so far, it sounds weird, but we've done like eight shows in Germany or something like that since, we, since I got in the band. We're just, and then we start... Now next week we start in Germany is where we're starting, <laughs> and we're going to do a, a bunch of German dates. But there's other, you know, we're going to be doing the UK and Spain and Italy and all kinds of, you know, all over the place. Don't forget Ireland, but, um, dog. You're playing in Ireland. <laughs> yes, we're playing in Belfast, and I don't know if we're yeah. in Dublin. Are we in Dublin too? I can't. Even... You are in Dublin. All my friends are oh. going. <laughs> okay, good, good. <laughs> so that's a good thing because, man, I was in New York. I guess it was a week or two ago, and I had the worst pint of Guinness I've ever had. I don't know if I can get that taste out of my mouth until I pound about six real Guinnesses. Oh, uh, I, I can't drink it here, Doug. <laughs> Any, anywhere? <laughs> no, no, not really, no. I, I don't even try in most places. I'm like, no, I'm not going there. I'll wait until I go home. Once in a while, you'll find a place you can get it. You can get it. Yeah, I think the barman has to speak like me though to get a decent pint. <laughs> yeah, well, that that may be true because really, uh, there's a, there's a whole key. I didn't realize this until actually hanging out with the answer, which we're going to be doing some touring with the answer um, at the end of the year. But I didn't realize um, until hanging out with those guys that there's a whole technique to the pour and all this stuff. Oh, I just yeah. enjoyed the t- enjoyed the taste, and I'd only really only drink it. In, in Ireland or in, in parts of the UK. Yeah. Um, yeah. But uh, anyways, it's uh, it's going to be really good. The band's going to be out there playing all over and um, and really working this record. I, I think it's going to I think it's going to be a good thing. Yeah. You know, it's not going to be wasted time. Yeah. Doug, I just got a couple of questions before we let you go. Um, okay. Cool. You talked about cover versions. Um, you're doing rating the Rock Vault. Was there any song and yeah. is there any song in that set that you didn't already play when you learned how to play guitar? Oh, there was a lot. I mean, actually, one of the, my favorite songs is all on the Watchtower. They do the Jimi Hendrix version, and me and Howard Lee kind of would trade that off. He would do a, a part, and I'd do a part, and um, that is it's it's really fun to play live. That song, I love it. Yeah. Um, I, there was there, there was a few. There was a you know. Being from Ireland, U2 obviously is big time, and there was a U2 song that I had to learn. Um, but the thing that's interesting about that show is I, you know, I spent a long time since we've talked. I've spent a, I've done a lot of shows with those guys, and then I got burned out on the whole Vegas thing, and had to. I really needed to to, to get away and take some time out, and so I I took some some touring dates with Glenn Hughes and. And did a a, a rock a rock um, ballet situation with a friend of some friends of mine, Derek Sherinian, 
Tony Franklin and Greg Bissonette, um, just to do some other things, you know, just to kind of get away from that. And now I go back and, and kind of, they've, they've kind of allow me to do that rock vault whenever I'm free or whenever I, whenever I want to, it's really fun. And I recommend if anybody's, you know, in Vegas, go check out that show. Cause it really tur- has now turned into more of a, of a really great super group concert situation, not unlike Hollywood vampires or King of the chaos or anything like that. You know, it's kind of the same concept. Yeah. Now, Doug, we had, um, we did a huge project on Dio strange highways album a few years ago. And as part of that, we had Jerry best on cause he was in freak of nature at the time. And oh, cool. yeah, so I talked to him a little bit about lion and he, he mentioned it was about two years ago that, you know, you know, the CDs for that, like they're like 80 or 90 bucks each on, <laughs> on Amazon. Right. But he said that there was a chance that you were going to get the, the recordings back after so many years. Have you heard any updates on that at all? Well, I'll tell you one thing that I have no idea where the masters are for either of those records. I mean, the, uh, the actual tape masters that would be great to remix because in the eighties, what was cool then is not, is not, is <laughs> sounding it doesn't sound as good as it does now now we've we've learned that that 80s there was a lot of stuff in the 80s that was kind of hyped out the the reverbs and the snare drums and the guitar sounds and certain things and it's 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 okay but it would be nice to to be able to to go back and remix some of that stuff and make it sound like i know i could really make a big difference on that now but the tapes are gone yeah i don't know where they are it's a pity so i mean yeah, it's, it is because you can't go back and re-record. I, I actually, as much as I, I know that there was some some good moments that I played. I know I could play it a lot better, and I know if I played it now, it probably wouldn't even sound like this. Yeah, it'd be the same. You know, it had a vibe for that time. But maybe we'll, you know, maybe we, maybe there, there'll be a way to, um, to get some of that stuff released, and at least it is what it is. Maybe get it kind of remastered and somehow make it a little more. Um, contemporary sound. Like final question from me, Doug. Like you look back on your career, and 
you've worked with David Coverdale, Glenn Hughes, Ronnie James Dio, you know, Kelly Hansen, who's now singing with Foreigner. Do you ever take yeah. a step back and like pinch yourself and go, wow, I'm one of the luckiest son of a bitches around? Well, I, I definitely am. And I, I, I don't pinch myself very often, but when you guys bring it up, uh, it is, it is pretty, I've been very fortunate. I mean, just one of those guys alone. I mean, and guys like John Karabi and mm, Kyle Swan, and Kyle Swan and, yep. and Keith St. John, all these guys are great. You know, mm. I've been really, really lucky to work with singers like that. Um, but, um, I just, I guess, you know, that's part of the thing with this business is that there's a certain amount of, you have to have a certain amount of skill. You have to have a certain, you know, patience and personality and definitely got to have some luck to, to make it all happen. Yeah. And is there new Born and Rain on the way, Doug? Any update on I that? I have, we have a really, really exciting record that we started, uh, I think what I want, what I'm hoping that we can accomplish, is to when I have a little break in September after the first leg of the Daisy stuff, is is get in and get it get it started, get it recorded as a as a band. The one thing I learned with this Dead Daisies record is that I don't want to record separately anymore. I really enjoy, first of all, the pace of recording together because you really get a lot accomplished fast. You don't overthink things. You can't. You know. You got to like. You gotta, you play together and you play off each other like you guys were saying. You play off each other, and then you, you capture it, and that's what, it is what it is. Yeah. So that's what I would like to do, and then we could, I could let Keith go and um, finish out, you know, lyrically and and melodies and stuff on his own, and we could just email some of that stuff back and forth. But the band, the basic sound of the record would be cut live, and I'm hoping to do that in September. Yeah. The songs are pretty much together. You're going to use Sean McNabb and Matt Starr again. I think so. I mean, I don't really, you know, unfortunately, like I said, we don't have a situation yet where we are able to, to, to really stick together. Everyone's always got to go off and do other jobs and other gigs and stuff. Yeah. But so depending on schedules, um, it would be great if we could, hmm. I, but I, but I, I don't know. Well, I got, I got one last question for you, Doug. And that is, uh, did you get any new any any new Les Pauls lately? Anything that let me drool over? <laughs> well, you know, I I since I spoke to you guys, I started getting into Les Paul Juniors. I don't know if last time I talked to you, I got my first one, yeah. is a, uh, uh, 1956 Les Paul Junior that I bought before my son got in the hospital, and when he was in the hospital, it was delivered, and I was like, what am I doing buying a guitar? I'm like, you know, uh -huh. I didn't obviously I didn't know my boy was going to be sick, but yeah. But it, it arrived, and it's it's an amazing guitar. Yeah. And um and then I found a 1959 that I really love, and so I've got both of those. Um, I bought a I, since I talked to you, I bought another gold top because my main one um had the headstock had broken off a second time, and that's the curse of Les Pauls right there. That headstock. Yeah, I was. I just didn't want to. I didn't want to risk it. Yeah. So I bought another one and got it doctored up, new frets, and put signature pickups, and and so it's um it's in it's my main guitar right now, the new one. It's, it's a 2006 Custom Shop 57 reissue, and then uh, I bought a 62 Les Paul Junior. That's an SG oh, yeah. shape. Yeah. So all these all these all these juniors have P90s in them, and they're really really punchy and sound awesome. 
I'll tell you, they, the, you know, there's days where I just, I love the sound of a P90. It's, it is amazing. They just get that crunchy sound and you just, I don't know what it is. You don't get that out of any other pickup. That, that pickup's got it just its own personality to it. It really does. And you can do a lot when you just roll the tone off too. It's amazing. Yeah. I, I didn't realize that until I started to really get into it. Yeah. yeah. Man, that's amazing. I mean, that 62 is going to be pretty awesome. And I mean, just when you look at, Whenever I look at like that that year that guitar, I look at that neck meeting the body, and I'm just thinking, how do they do it? How do they make that thing stay together? There's like nothing there. It's pretty amazing. It goes all the way in, and and that's one of the things about that guitar that sounds so good is that it doesn't have another pickup. It's got more wood right there. Mm. That's what some people say anyway. Yeah, Doug, how many guitars have you? Ah, uh, not enough. <laughs> I would say I, would say, um, I probably have forty five or fifty. All right. Yeah. So not enough. Yeah. yeah so it's like like right. like my co-host here. Every time I'm come down here, I'm stepping over cases and <laughs> pedals and stuff. It's an addiction, man. I dog, I don't play. Stop. I don't play, dog. <laughs> well, you play rock, so that's good enough. I play a lot of it. <laughs> awesome. Well, guys, thank you so much for having me on. I really appreciate it. Focus on metal is it's one of my favorite shows, and um, periodically, uh, you know, catch various people on the show. You know, sometimes you'll, you'll be in the headlines, some controversial stuff. So <laughs> it's, it's always good. Yeah. All right, Doug. Well, have a good rest of the night, and thanks for coming on. And, guys, uh, thanks so much. I might see you in a few months. You're around our area playing with Kiss, so I'll go see the Dead Daisies play. Well, let me know. Just you got. You, this is my number. You got it. So All right. um, text me if you're going to come to a show. Okay. Excellent. Great. I'll, I'll sort it out. Oh, excellent, All right, guys. All right, All right. Thanks. Thanks again, okay. Doug. All right. Thanks, boys. Bye. All right. Have a good night.
All right, there you go. Our talk with Doug Aldrich, and uh, hope you guys enjoyed that one. Yeah, we, we had fun doing it. Yeah, we did. Yeah. So what have we left? Twenty drummers interviews. It, it's the summer of drummers. That's what I'm <laughs> calling it, man. Summer of drummers. What have we got? We've got Rod Morgenstein. Yeah. Mick Brown. Mick Brown. That I did a while ago. Yeah. Uh, who else have we got? That's um, that's it. And then yeah. Little I'm Mountain. Kind of, I'm exaggerating. Yeah. Well, we had three drummers in like three weeks. Yeah. I, I didn't mind that. So no. uh, any gigs coming up? No, we got when's uh, when's Glenn? August. August. Right. I I got um. Uh, Jelly Jam, in end of July. Oh. Um. So that's Rod, yeah, and Ty Tabor and John Myung, and that's in the two blow holes of a two hundred people. Right. So I'm yeah. uh, looking forward to that. Yeah. Uh, so other than that, I'm nothing going on. We've Glenn in August. Yep. And then hopefully we have the Dead Daisies. Yeah, maybe. In September. September. Yeah, possibly. Yeah. So lots of good gigs coming. Well, a couple. <laughs> and then see what else pops up. I guess. Yeah. 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 All right. Anyways, uh, yeah, we'll figure out what it is we're rolling next week. Anyways, so, be something. Yeah, something more editing for you. Yeah. Well, always. I just think I have time the damn time to do it these days. That's I have one or two in the works. Yeah. But um, we'll see. We'll see how it goes. Yeah. All right. Good. I'm glad you're doing that and keeping things on track here. And keep wrecking your head. No, <laughs> uh, no. I appreciate you going out and getting stuff. I know, but sometimes you get too backed up, and your the albums come out and. July and you're running yeah, in well, December. That. I still have a couple of interviews from uh, January, February. This year? Run yet? Yeah. <laughs> two. Two of them. Yeah, two. two. Hopefully they won't be looking looking for you. So, uh, yeah. All right. Anyways, uh, as we always say, uh, keep up with us at focusonmetal.net, focusonmetal.blogspot.com. Uh, you can hit me up on Twitter. And Richie, of course, is always posing the... Uh, questions on facebook you always seem to get good responses to stuff you throw out there yeah, well, sometimes i ask the stupid question and i get the stupid answer well, it's all right it's a question yeah true and uh, sometimes you get some pretty cool responses so mm-hmm. all right so i think that's it for this week and uh, again hope you guys enjoyed it and also big thanks to doug for coming on the show so uh that's it we're out of here stick a fork in it we're done uh so uh until we talk to you again next week have yourselves a good metal week and Remember, focus on metal. Everything else is insignificant. Still here? It's over. Go home.